second half of the NFL season is here, and those young QBs are putting on a show. But who's the best team? This is when we separate the pretenders from the contenders. And you can follow that story every Sunday with the NFL on CBS. Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. Joining me today, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL, Seattle Seahawks' own Tyler Lockett. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it, T-Lock. Oh, no, thanks for having me. Nothing but love from Athletes First Family. I appreciate that. And Savannah hooking up the interview. How does Coach Carroll address the team? How does Russell Wilson address the team? And, and where do you guys feel like you're at? Obviously, you're second in the division right now, but really with a chance to control your own destiny against the Rams coming up here, a couple big division games coming up. How does Coach approach that? What's your guys' mindset? I think the biggest thing is just don't forget where we're at. You know, we got ourselves in this position and we control our own destiny. And that's really all right. that you could ask for. I think for us, it's also understanding that it's just one game. You know, we just lost this game. It's not like we lost the whole entire season or we lost the expectations that we have as a team or we lost our Super Bowl dreams and our hopes. I think it's just being able to understand that unless we learn from the mistakes that we made in the game, unless we figure out what we did wrong and learn how to overcome them, then we're not going to put ourselves in the best position to be able to succeed in all the things that we want to be able to do. But if we really dive in and understand the game and understand what happened, that's what's going to allow us to be successful as we continue on throughout the season. A lot of teams are throwing different things at us that we're not used to or we're not accustomed to. But that's what happens when we turn into a throwing the ball team a lot more. When we were here at first, when we were running the ball, teams could only really play yeah. us in one high. Now that we're throwing the ball a little bit more, we're starting to see a lot more disguises, a lot more different coverages. And it's just we got to learn how to adjust to it. and We got to learn how to develop as we continue to push forward and doing a lot of the things that we want to do and accomplish. And I think that's just something that allowed us to be able to take a step back and start understanding that not only do we as players have the game plan against who we're lining up against, but we also got to start learning and trying to figure out the schemes that have been working for other teams as they played against us. No doubt. And it's this ongoing chess match like every game. You know, whoever has the pen last essentially on the chalkboard is kind of, you know, gets the win or gets the last play, the chance to make the last play. What I'm always fascinated with is this is something I think you've picked up quickly. But Russell Wilson, uh, you know, I played for Schottenheimer. Russell Wilson, you know, you guys are running a lot of the same plays. You know, they start that way, you know, dancer. And uh, I, I saw, I went to um, your game against Miami early in the year on the road. And I see uh, Russ go up and it, it was either Hinge or Harvey or whatever you guys call it. And it converted up the sideline to dancer versus like a two shell look and Russ throws the ball and I texted Shadi immediately after the game and I'm like there's no way you just ran act four dancer and he goes bro <laughs> it's the same stuff you know how it works but yeah I said you guys the guy you guys have pulling the trigger in Russell Wilson that play comes in and I said this on air before I said that plays like an essay prompt right for like the SAT or something that's just the starting point and Russ has this ability to extend plays so you've picked that up quick what's the learning curve like for somebody like a DK Metcalf to understand hey, this play's never over until the whistle's blown because Russ can throw it anywhere at any time from any angle, from any position on the field. What's that like for you guys? And do you guys practice scramble drill just every day? How does that work? Uh, I think scramble drill is something that we emphasize a lot of, but I think that especially for our team, it just goes back to playground football once the play breaks down. I think yeah. that's one of the best things that could 
that you could have on a team because a lot of times teams take that away from you. They don't want you to get open doing it your own way. They want you to be able to play football. If this is the route we want you to run, you got to get other people open. And we do the same thing, but it's just we have a quarterback that can be able to duck and dodge and do whatever he can to maneuver around the defense. And because of that, it just turns into now it's time to get open. Now you got to do what you got to do to be able to get open. If the plays break down, do what you got to do. And we need that first down. We need that touchdown. And because of that, it allows us to expand our game. So once we're finished running our routes, then we can just go get open. And it helps like because it. you got a quarterback that knows how to find you. And when we understand what he's thinking, when we understand what he's looking at, how he, how he goes about his scramble drills, it helps us learn how to be successful. And then you see – uh, guys like DK, once he's experienced it enough, now he sees like, oh, okay, play breaks down. Now it's time to get open. And you yeah. know that Russ is going to find you. You know he's going to deliver it on the money. And all you got to do is get open and make that catch. That's got to be a good feeling knowing you could get a catch at any time. Russ has become a master at escaping the pocket, especially to his left, which makes it tough on defenses. A lot of times they'll try and force you one way and, and shut off half the field. I've heard this analogy before. Some days it's a shot glass, some days it's a rain barrel. Getting catches, when you have somebody as dynamic like DK on the other side of you, some days you go off for like 20 targets and 16 catches like you had earlier in the year, and then some days he gets off and gets his in a game. How do you guys balance that back and forth? Are you guys like taking Russ and Shoddy out to dinner? Are you trying, I mean, I know you guys are competitive. You, you wanna get the rock. So how, does, how do you balance that back and forth? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just knowing that, you know, we need each other in order to be successful. I think when you come into the NFL, everybody has that mindset of, you know, I want to be the guy. I want to be the one to catch the touchdowns, to catch the passes, to to be publicized and all that type of stuff. But I think the biggest thing is you want to be able to be beside somebody who wants to be able to help you. And I think for us, like we could play off of one another, you know, we could feed off of one another. Uh, we balance each other out when it comes to being able to let him play his game and me to play my game. And when you step into games and you go against other teams, teams try to figure out like, well, what do we do? How do we try to stop these guys? Uh, what coverages should we play? And for us, it's just, uh, I don't have to go out there and do anything special because I know that DK is gonna do his part. And so I just got to focus on my role. And I think that's what makes everything a lot more easier, especially when you got guys like Chris Carson and David Moore and Freddie at receiver as well. And then you got Greg Olson, who, you know, just got hurt. But you got William. We got Will Disley, a lot of guys. But I think for us, we just know that there's going to be some days where we get the equal amount of targets. We get the equal amount of shares. There's going to be times where uh, he might get more yards than me. I might get more yards than him. He might get more touchdowns. But at the end of the day, I think as long as we keep balancing each other out, as long as we go out there, we know that we're going to get our opportunities. There's going to be games where teams might game plan against me and make him have to, to show up. And there's times where they might game plan against him and I have to show up. But the way that we continually play and the more better that we continually get together and as a, as a unit, as a whole team, it allows us to be able to constantly do a lot of the things that we want to do and get done based off of just what teams decide to give us. 
No doubt. And that's, you know, testament to you being a great teammate, understanding how it works and with a bigger goal in mind. It's not just about you. It's about the entire team. So I know that's why Coach Carroll loves you so much with my experience with Coach. That's what he's all about. But you have these huge division games coming up. Talk about the Rams and the 49ers because those two teams, I mean, those guys are trying to play division champ here. What's the game plan going into those two games? And, and what do you remember from your first two matchups with those guys? Yeah, I mean, it's just knowing that because of where we're at, we're going to get everybody's best shot. And I think that's something that we have to be able to know and that we have to be able to get used to every single time. Like you said, we play the Jets then we play Washington. Then we turn around and we got two division games. Well, the division games are always the hardest. You know, yeah. even the teams that you're not accustomed to playing, like we're not accustomed. We we haven't played the Giants in a couple of years. We haven't played the Jets in a couple of years. And so when you go against teams you're not familiar with, those are the hardest as well. But when once you step into the divisional games, like you've seen how the Chiefs and the Broncos game was. Yep. Teams know you. You see how the NFC East is. Like when teams start to know you, now, all of a sudden, they start hitting you with different coverages. They start game planning you a little different than the other teams that you watch because they they know what you do. They're good. They they understand how to stop what you do. So I think for us, it's just being able to go in there and, and knowing that we control our own destiny and we're going to play against a team like, you know, the Rams that beat us and we beat the 49ers and, you know, they've gone through a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID protocols, a lot of just different stuff. But we know that we're going to get every team's best shot because they want to take us off the throne as well. Every no team doubt. wants to take everybody off the throne. And at the end of the day, if they can't get on there, then they don't want you to be on there. Yeah. So <laughs> we just got to be able to know that and know that nothing is going to become easy. Nothing's going to be taken lightly. And if we want it, then we actually have to go take it and we have to go get it. Yep, no doubt. That's that's a great mindset, uh, understanding how tough it is. And when you talk about divisional games, I always love divisional games because, you know, the preparation going into, like, personnel, like, you know the personnel. There's That's your division. Yeah. You just know what's going on. You, you kind of track what happens in the offseason. But like you said, it's hard playing against these teams that you haven't seen in a couple years. You go to a different division, and now, you know, you got a, a week to cram in all this information. It's a lot going on. So my poor, sad Jets. It's been a rough year, bro. I thought this was just such a unique set of circumstances there. They run zero blitz, but they don't get the free runner. The whole point of running a cover zero blitz is trying to get a free runner on the quarterback where, you know, you have one more than they could block. Well, he's back there setting up for a double move and throws his touchdown in the end zone. Did you happen to see that play? I was able to see that last play. Uh, and like you said, I mean... That's one of those things where, you know, I'm not going to lie, I do that stuff in Madden sometimes <laughs> when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm playing. It just depends. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's one of those things where, honestly, if it works, then it's a whole different story. No then, doubt. you know, if it doesn't work. And I think that just going in to the game, you know, if Cover Zero was working the whole entire game, then, hey, why not run it again? You know, but I think, like you said, ultimately, based off of where the Raiders were on the line, a scrimmage, and where the ball was at, if you get that extra runner in, you know, the person doesn't get enough time and he has to throw a forgiving ball and just hope that somebody could be able to get there. And so I think the Raiders did a great job being able to execute it. And now that the coach has been uh, let go, yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out, like, well, what is this team going to do against us? You know, how are they going to play? Are they going to play it safe? Are they going to play aggressive like they've been playing? I mean, you, you really don't know. But you got to be 
able to adjust. And I think it goes back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning when we played against the Giants. You know, we, we, we tried to figure out what they were doing, and then they hit us with a whole bunch of other stuff. And some stuff was similar to what we thought, and other things were different. But uh, the biggest thing that we needed to learn how to do is to adjust with what they were giving us during that game. And I think because of the conversations that we've had and the things that we learned after this game, it's great for us being able to know that, hey, you know, this is what we're going to game plan. This is how we're going to go about it. But we also got to be able to adjust because we don't know what they're going to throw at us. We don't know what coverages they're going to play. We don't know uh, how they're going to go about things. You know, we just know who's going to be able to be the one to call the plays. And so yeah. that's that's going to be a key right there to see what did we learn from last week and how well are we going to be able to apply the things that we talked about as we head into this next game. We're going to switch to more of your personal life and um, this football family you grew up in. Your dad, Kevin Lockett, is a former wide receiver in the NFL, as well as your uncle Aaron. What's it like having those people as, you know, inspiration for you? And what was it like growing up? And, and did you know from a young age, like, hey, man, I'm going to play in the NFL. I'm going to go ball. Like, this is what I want. Yeah, well, I mean, growing up, uh, I was always in the sports family. And a lot of people don't really realize that. But uh, when you grow up in a sports family, literally everything that you learn about life, just about uh, your friends, just everybody you come into contact with, it's just because of sports. Uh, I went to college because of sports. You know, I made it to the NFL because of sports. You get sponsored by, and, you know, by all these businesses because of sports. And you get yep. to meet people and, hey, I get to be on the podcast with you <laughs> because of sports. And you just yeah, start baby. to see kind of how sports takes you to a lot of different places. And so it was pretty cool just because, you know, I went to the same uh, high school as my dad and uncle, uh, same middle school same college as them and then we all got to enter the league and we all entered the league and we have different stories you know my dad ended up playing for the Chiefs and he went to uh team Washington and then he ended up going to the Jaguars and then he finished with the Jets and then my uncle played with uh Tampa Bay and then I know he ended up playing with San Fran and so being able to hear their history and understand what life was like for them when they were in the NFL and being yep. able to give me the wisdom and the words of encouragement because they know the things that I feel. They know about the politics of football and about how things go and how you need to just stay true to who you are and not get caught up in all of that other stuff or what other people's goals and dreams are and why they do it. You got to stay true to what you do it for. So regardless of if they say, hey, man, you had the best career out of all of us when it comes to the NFL, regardless of you know, st stats or anything like that, they still have that wisdom and that guidance and that knowledge to be able to help me through a lot of these times because stats and stuff, that'll tell a different story. But the politics, the emotions, everything that the game brings along just with what football, what comes with football, that, that always stays. It doesn't matter who comes into the league and when you leave, everybody feels some of the same things at some point in their career. And because of that, they can help me through that as well as just being able to play my game and stay true to why I do it. That's amazing uh, that you have that kind of sounding board from those two people that really care about you and that you care about in return. And, and I know you, you touched on this briefly, but uh, the pressure that comes along with playing this game and you know playing your position week in week out you know i mean you guys drop one game to the giants and if you look at the media it's like the sky's falling and you know it's the worst thing in the world and oh my god the seahawks are in trouble you know talk about that kind of pressure and how much 
you know, pressure you feel each week. And I mean, there was a point in your career where you thought about maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to go do something else. Maybe, maybe this isn't it for me anymore. And uh, what went into that decision to keep playing, to stick it out? And, and are you happy with that decision, um, you know, now that you look back on it? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to just I think the biggest thing is you got to remember why you're playing this game and you got to be able to make your why bigger than the business and bigger than politics. Because when you want to come into the NFL, you really have to be able to to focus on what what it is you're trying to accomplish. If you want to play in the league for eight to 10 years, then that's what you can control. You can't control what teams you get put on. You got to be able to say, look, I'm trying to play for eight to 10 years and say, as long as I'm here, then I'm still accomplishing what I'm doing. But I think the biggest thing is you have to learn how not to get too attached because you have to be able to make football fun. I think that's where I'm coming with, like with this. You got to be able to know how to make it fun when sometimes it isn't fun because it gets too serious because people get right. their buttholes get tight like people want to be able <laughs> their jobs get on the line like sometimes people yeah. don't know how to perform or how to go about their daily routine not knowing if they're in a hot seat or not and you can have the best day and I tell people this all the time who don't really understand like you can, you can have the best week of practice and still get traded you can get paid <laughs> and and think everything's good and you still get traded you know like Quandre Diggs, you know, like one of my best friends, he was a captain and got traded and he had got a contract and people don't understand that. And I try to talk to the people who want to understand, try to get them advice and just be like, imagine going to work every day, not knowing what's going to happen. You know, imagine, (laughs) imagine getting, you know, the best sales of your career for a whole year and they still let you go. And now you got to go to another competitor. Like imagine having your worst, somebody else having a worse year and you did way better than them, but they kept them, you know, all because you wanted a raise because of, you know, what other people was getting paid based off of you. Like people don't really understand the pressure of when you go out there and you don't perform. Some people don't think it matters, but on social media, everybody has a voice and people can say whatever they want and hide behind of a camera and you know, you go out there and you help the team win. And then it's like, why didn't you score? Why'd you run? Why'd you fall down on a one yard line? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, or you or you get to the point where, you know, you guys lose. And now you got people saying you messed up my fantasy. I hate you. I hope you get hurt. <laughs> and people it's just people don't really realize. It's true. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's times where like I have to catch myself because I because sometimes I, I just I, I just want them to go through a simulation of what it's like when they try to do it on us. Like I want yeah. them to go to work and be one minute late and to get fined thirty thousand dollars like we do. <laughs> or I want I want them to be at, like you know what I mean? Just to experience yeah. like whoa, like I was just going to work right here in Louisiana <laughs> and now I got I got traded to the same company, but now I got to go to Vegas. You know, like, I just want them to experience what it's like for <laughs> us so they could say, okay, like, I got more respect for them. But they don't realize it because a lot of people wish that they could be where we at and they don't know what it's like to be where we're at. And so it's easy to be the one that has all the knowledge, right? It's easy to be yeah. the one that could call all the plays. We should have did this. <laughs> we should have did that. Okay, well... <laughs> why aren't you winning in Madden in? <laughs> or why aren't you the offensive play card? Why aren't you the GM if you know who yeah. we should have drafted? They don't understand <laughs> the things that go into it. And that's why sometimes you just got to be able 
to find your own reasons of why you play and not get caught up in the outside noise. And I think that's what determines how long you end up um, knowing when you want to play or when you choose to walk out on your own. No doubt. And it's, it is such a grind day in, day out, not just physically, but like you said, emotionally, uh, mentally, and, and you got to stay on your game. Football is in full swing and the push to the playoffs is on. Every Sunday, don't miss the NFL on CBS for some of the biggest matchups because it's time for the contenders to separate themselves from the pretenders. Can the Chiefs repeat or is someone else ready to dethrone the champs? The journey to Super Bowl 55 is sure to be filled with many twists and turns, and you can watch it all unfold every Sunday on the NFL on CBS. Uh, there's some. There's a quick segment that we like to do for all the young kids watching, for these young kids coming up wanting to play in the NFL, the young Tyler Lockett's of the world. Uh, what would you say to them is, is the reason or something that you've done in your routine that reminded you to put in the work? Like what was that one thing, either extra sprints or extra weightlifting or extra film time? What was something you did as a young kid that you still do today to help you put in work? The biggest thing is it goes with your why. You know, I think your why has to be the very thing that pushes you and motivates you because there's going to be times where your why might change, but you always have to have that why because if you don't have that why, if, you're, if your goal, if your, if your motivation is, I want to play in the league, well, once you get to the league, what's your motivation? Right. You know, right. like what was like a lot of people want to get there and then you get drafted and you get there and then you see what a lot of guys not putting in the work after that because they get to finally live the lifestyle or they get to be a part of everything that they always said they wanted to do. Like people want to get there, but it's not about staying there. Like people already accomplished. Oh, I got there. But the people who really want to be here, who stay here, they still have that why they still have that chip on their shoulder. They still have that motivation. And so for me, it's about being able to take one day at a time. When I was in high school, I wasn't thinking about the NFL. I was thinking about what do I need to do to be successful on this team? Like, what do I Mm -hmm. need to work on to be great in this system? Like, what can I do to get better? I don't really think it's about how much you work or or how much you lift or how much you're on the field. I, I just think it's about how well are you able to balance out the work that you're doing outside of your your football or basketball, whatever you're doing, how well can you balance out what you're doing individually so that it can it's able to like relate and you're able to function as you're on a team? Like you said, I'm not gonna sit here and run routes that other teams run in the NFL. I'm gonna focus on the routes that I run with the Seahawks. You know, I'm right. a I'm gonna do whatever I can outside of practicing with Seattle to prepare myself for the system that I'm about to get put inside. So if I understand how the team operates and how the team functions and how my quarterback functions and how the play calling functions and how my routes are, then I could be able to develop my game inside of the system that I'm in. And I think a lot of guys are developing their games as individuals, which is great. But the game of football isn't about being an individual. Like the game of football is about learning how can you be able to transfer your individual game into the concepts of what the teams need you to do and need you to be on that team. So so my advice would be learn how to be great for the team that you're on, because eventually like that stuff will change. And then when you go to college, like. You have to learn how to be able to find that safe place. You got to learn how to adapt to be able to learn how to be great in that system. And then once you come to the league, it's the same thing. Like it never stops. You just got to learn how to be great in the system that you're in at that moment. If you focus on 
the the goal more than trying to perfect your craft in a system that you're in at that moment, then you're going to miss out on possibly positioning yourself to get to that place. That's great insight. And it sounds like you have this incredible ability to see the big picture, but really hone in your focus on where you're at, be where your feet are. That's that's really impressive. Take me back to when you are a replacement on special teams. We're talking Kansas State, Manhattan, Kansas. You get in the game, you run the ball back for your first touchdown. I think it was against Texas Tech. This is from our deep dive on you. We went back and researched <laughs> a bunch of stuff. But yeah. you score against the Red Raiders. What emotions are running through your mind in the end zone? Take me back to that very moment. Yeah, well, I mean, even going into that game was, you know, memorable because um, one of the guys who started in the slot got hurt. And so that was actually one of the first games that I was actually able to start. And yeah. I remember I talked to my dad about it, my uncle about it, you know, probably even my mom about it. And they were just like, man, look, your time going to come. Just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. And boom, at that moment, I was able to start. And... Then um, the guy who was at kickoff return, we played against, like you said, Texas Tech. Everybody know that's where Pat Mahomes went to. <laughs> it's hard playing against Texas Tech when they, they ran <laughs> that spread, four, five receivers. Everybody's yeah. running. They're getting about 75, 80 plays a game. <laughs> and so the guy was tired. They put me back there. Boom, I ran it back. And I was just, man, I was just living in a moment, like just happy excited. This is what it was like being able to play in high school, but now you're doing it on a whole different level. And then after the game, you find out like, hey man, that person was a track star. Like, you know, he yeah. ran a, a 20 or a 21, you know, in the 200. And I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I wasn't getting caught, you know? And then it's like, all right, all right, lock, we're going to keep you back there versus KU. And the next game, I run it back again. That's when I just started to realize like, man, it's about being able to wait for that opportunity and the opportunity will not come any later or any earlier. It's going to be right there, but you got to be able to learn. You got to be patient and long suffering. Like that's the thing that I learned is you got to be patient until that opportunity comes. And once it comes, you run with it and you don't look back, but you, you know, that timing is everything. And sometimes we want stuff earlier. Like I wanted it right. super early <laughs> but it just wasn't it wasn't the right time. And it took seven games, eight games. But as soon as it happened, it clicked. And then after that, everything else changed. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you nailed it. Uh, you were ready for your opportunity. And talk about the fans at Kansas State. I know they um, they're they're said to be some of the wildest, most diehard fans. What was it like playing in front of them? And so they do something when you um, when you get a first down. They say that's another Kansas State first down, and they play a noise. What noise do they play? Can you say? Can you do oh, the noise? Oh man, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's been so Come on. long. The Wildcats. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, but I'm in the game. I'm not thinking about that. Yeah, you <laughs> like, are. You're thinking about it. <laughs> oh man, but no, it's they're they're pretty they're pretty they're rowdy. They're pretty crazy. But what about the Seahawks yeah. fans? I mean, you guys. That's that's like a huge weapon the 12th man for you guys, that's a big time weapon. And to not yeah. have that this year, what's the feeling like with an empty stadium there? Yeah, well, I've been blessed to be a part of some crazy fans, I'll say that. And not being able to have the Seahawks fans there is very discouraging. But like we said, it's also about learning how to adapt. When I first came to the Seahawks game, I said, oh yeah, this is just like K-State, but it's a little more of a concert on this side of town. <laughs> like. 
you know, we had Bill Snyder, so it wasn't it wasn't like a concert, but you know, we made it to where it was really crazy for a lot of teams to be able to come in and play. Even when we played Auburn, everybody was going crazy. It was like, man, this this is a tough stadium to play in. And I think it just shows like I went from amazing fans to I got to another team that had amazing fans. But this time it turned to a concert and we're in there kicking the ball off and all you hear is Rick Ross saying, these haters can't hold me back. These <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And the crowd is just going crazy. Everybody's dancing. And it's really a fun environment to be able to play in, honestly. And I miss it. And because we haven't been able to play in it, you almost forget about what it's like. Uh, every game yeah. that we play, it's not really any fans. And some away games does have fans, but it's really not the same. But the biggest thing that I took into going into this year was every game was going to be like another practice. And you yeah. have to be able to learn, like fans and people in general, we're going to be able to see well, what which players can use their imaginations to be great. You know, right. like there's some people who need fans. They need that different type of energy to get themselves going. But now you got to right. get somebody. Now you got to have that why. Like, you don't have nobody in the stands, nobody pumping you up, nobody <laughs> cheering you. You only got the person next to you saying, hey, come on, we got this. You know, like, you're going to be able to tell who's a who's a game player and who's a practice player because every yeah. game is like another practice. And so I think it's just another level of just being able to de develop your game and, and take it to another place. Whether you have fans, whether you don't, it's on you whether you determine to be great or not and whether you determine to help the team out or if you just do it whenever it is prime time. No doubt. That's that's a great point. You got to bring your own juice, bring your own energy. I know Coach Carroll's big on that. So that's huge for you guys. When the energy level's low, when you go through toughest your toughest moments, I'd imagine when you broke your leg against the Cardinals, that had to be just a crushing blow. Detail your comeback. What were your you know, lowest moments? And then now looking back, what you've persevered through. How has that changed you as a person? When I got hurt, I just wanted to make sure I could play again. But it's just the process of just going through another surgery. That was like my third surgery. And the process of just going through a whole nother surgery. People don't understand that, you know, one, I had a compound fracture. So, you know, I had a tip, tip yeah. compound fracture. The same thing pretty much that Alex Smith had. And yeah. I had to get shots in my stomach twice a day for like a whole month or two months. And, you know, that's the stuff that people don't know or understand. And there for so the infection, correct? To make sure you don't get infected. Yeah, but there's so many times I didn't want to take those shots because it hurts yeah, <laughs> taking them shots in your stomach. But it was like I was able to not get effect infected. I was able, I had to learn how to walk again. You know, you use crutches. Uh, I was taking like a lot of pills because of the type of injury and stuff that it was. And not only that, but during my comeback of trying to get my leg back, you know, I had hurt my PCL the second game of that season. And so, you know, usually you start overcompensating. And then all of a sudden, right. my my PCL side was the one that was hurting me my whole entire third year because I got my right leg right, but then my PCL was hurting. And so it was like, it was a whole bunch of stuff that was just going on, man, and it was frustrating. And people don't understand what it's like to be able to come back from injuries and what it's like for other injuries to reoccur and to come back into the equation after being able to overcome another injury. But it's because you were in the process of trying to overcome that injury. But when I look back at it, it really made me a lot better because instead of moping around and instead of being grumpy and, and just blaming the injury, it made me have to figure out how to win when I knew I wasn't 100%.
You know, like it made me have to figure out how can I get open when I know this guy's faster than me right now or when this guy's yeah. stronger than me right now. And what that did was it took my game to another place because I knew once I got my speed back, I was going to be fine. I had to learn how to catch contested balls. I had to learn how to catch tough passes because I knew, well, right now I can't create that separation that I once used to. So now you have to learn how to do things that you're not accustomed to. And because of that, once my game came back, I had already learned a whole bunch and took my game to a whole nother level because then I could go back and tap into who Tyler is. And yeah. as I get older throughout my career, they say speed changes. Now you got to learn how to get open when you don't have that speed anymore. But because I had went through that, I kind of have an understanding of how I can adjust my game to be able to go against players and still be able to put myself in the best situation to win every single time. Man, that makes so much sense. And, and I love that you articulated that because you are one of the best technicians, route runners, and you're tough. When the ball's in the air, you can tell there's a dog inside of you and that's your ball. You're coming down with it or nobody gets it. And that's you know why Russ has so much faith in you. Talk about your counterpart with DK Metcalf. We'll hit you on a couple questions, but you guys did something special for a young kid. And I think this, this says a lot about both of you guys, but this young kid, I'm, I might mess up his name, Onai, Onai, Onai. But you guys yeah, did something for him. He was battling, uh, he was battling cancer. And this was a couple weeks back, and you guys had a little message for him. Talk about DK, that young kid, and that whole situation, because I know that was huge and uplifting for him. Yeah, well, we got the word from a couple of guys at the um, football facility who kind of talked to us and told us um, one of his wishes and how he was a Seahawks fan. And just for us to both get the opportunity to be able to make a video just to try to encourage them, you know, let them know what's up. <laughs> We're from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I mean, that's something that's just, that's why you do it. You have kids that look up to you. You got kids that go through so much stuff, even parents. People go through yeah. so much in their daily lives, like before even COVID hit. COVID just made it worse. And you have people who look forward to turning on a TV on Sunday, on Monday, on Thursday, now on Tuesday, <laughs> you know, and no just doubt. to be able to cheer themselves up and just to be able to have something that gets them away from everything that's going on. And one of the things Coach Snyder used to always say was WTF, and it was win the fight. And it was from this, I believe it was this lady who was going through a lot of stuff. And that always stuck with me because we all are in a fight and we don't know the battles that each person faces or the things they got to go through every single second of that day. But if we could be able to make it a better moment or a better day or a better month or a year for that person, we're up for it. That's what we want to do. And, you know, DK is really selfless. Like, he's really a selfless person. And that's the thing that um, I appreciate about him most because people don't see that side. When you really get to be friends with DK and be around DK, he's really a selfless person. And that's yeah. why... I think, you know, he gets a lot of that success because he works hard. He doesn't see himself higher than he ought to. Like, he does what he needs to do. He lets his game speak for itself, and everything else comes his way. And he and he does a great job at being able to handle it. You know, I don't know too many people who can be 22 <laughs> yeah. and be able to, yeah. you know, to handle all this stuff that people are saying. And so 
just to be able to have that friendship, just to be able to have those conversations, just to be able to help each other be better men and to be better individuals and to be better football players. Like that's what it's all about, being better in our faith. So to be able to make that video, to be there and just kind of let them know like, hey, we right here with you and we're going to fight with you. We got our own battles, but hey, we're all here and we're going to push each other along. Like that was an amazing feeling. I love that. All right, switching gears a little bit because he's got a little he's got a little different swag, I would say. He's got like pink hair sometimes, green hair sometimes. He's got the Dennis <laughs> Rodman nose ring. He wears the pacifier thing. I mean, what's up with that? Are you coaching him up on that? Is that the off-season project getting him right or is he just he's just a different cat? You know, everybody has their own style. <laughs> so, you know, I just I stay in my place. <laughs> You know, I wear, I'm sure I'm sure they all have questions about what I wear and what I do sure, sure. all the time. So, but hey, you know, it works. It works for it. It works for different people, and uh, no I think that's why I said like it works for him. So hey, keep it going. Different strokes, different strokes. Okay, we do this uh, segment highlighting female athlete. Uh, plays of the week and it's called conquer c-o-n-q-h-e-r and it's the play of the week so our partners at east bay are running this uh amazing campaign and so i want you to check out the girl's name is zamarea jones she's from north carolina she goes by low mamba she's a basketball player a hooper uh, she's a five foot five point guard. She's class of 2024. she's already espn number one ranked eighth grader in the country she gets the block watch this then she goes oh, around the back between two defenders Hold on, start it it? over, start it over. Restart it, restart it, please. Check this out. So she's on defense first. Boom, hits with the block, takes it down the 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 floor, around the back. Oh. Let's go. She's like a one-woman fast break, bro. And she's in eighth grade. Eighth grader, look at that. Coordination, she's a good hooper. Oh, yeah, we we need to get her to K-State ASAP. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. I like that. There we go, Zamaria. You got a scholarship right there. You heard it from the man, man from K-State himself. You've mentioned your faith a lot. I know that team there has a strong faith-based group. I felt like the best teams I've been on have actually had the best Bible studies. And, you know, when that Bible study room is packed, usually for some reason you have um, what feels like a more fulfilling year, whether you win or lose. Tell me a little bit about your faith and how it's helped you become the man you are today. Yeah, well, I think it's helped me a lot, especially uh, recently, uh, just because you start realizing that you can't really put your dependency on anything or anybody. Uh, One of the things that I've been trying to work on especially since last week is you know it's a verse that says uh do not store up treasures on earth and sometimes that stuff doesn't make a lot of sense until you start realizing like man like if i put my faith in my family like that's not a bad thing you know but you start realizing like even they let me down and when you put your faith in your friends or you know say like your girlfriend or for some your boyfriend or you know, for for others, your husband or your wife or just any human, you realize like, wow, they they all fail me or they can make mistakes or people can take them away from me or they could do, you know what I mean? And you you start putting your faith in stats. You start putting your faith in sports and your job and your career. And you realize like that could be taken from me as well. Like different situations happen. And it says to store up treasures for yourself in heaven where thieves and they can't break in and steal. Right. And what that really allowed me to realize was my happiness 
my joy, like the things that give me victory or that allow me to triumph, that allow me to compete, that gives me that motivation, that stuff shouldn't be founded on anything that could be taken away from me or, or anything or anybody that can make mistakes and hurt me. And that's what it made me start realizing that uh, people are going to fail you. Your career is going to fail you. Your job is going to fail you. People are going to let you down. But when you have your faith in something that you know people can't take it away from you, that's where you're able to find yourself of being a conqueror. That's when you can realize that you can do all things through Christ. And then it'll say like where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Right. So a lot of these things that you have anxiety about or a lot of these things you get depressed about or a lot of these things that you really want and you cringe because you can't live without it. You start realizing like that's where you've put your treasure. You know, yep. that's where your heart is. And so for me, like I got I'm getting to the point where it's like I don't want I don't want my life to be defined by my stats. You know, I don't sure. want my football career to be defined by my stats. I, I want to be able to see how great I could be and how great I could be within my faith. But I also know, like, man, if I get to a thousand yards, that's great. But I don't want to train <laughs> no myself to think like you have to get to a thousand yards in order to right. have a great season. It's like, no, I can have a great season just because I'm having a great season. So it's almost being able to learn how to be thankful for everything. I think it says be thankful in all circumstances. All circumstances. That's the will of God. That it's is like hard. When you think about that. It is yep. so hard. It's so hard. But <laughs> But what I realized was it's easy to be thankful when your treasure isn't found in the people that hurt you. No doubt. Because a lot of times, like a lot of times we get so caught up and I'm speaking to myself, you know, people hurt you and you still decide to keep them in your life and you got to learn how to reconcile and keep it going, no you know, but it's easier to do that when your treasure is not found in that person. And so it, it my faith helps me, even though sometimes I end up messing up a lot but it helps me to be able to realize like hey man like none of this stuff matters and i learned a lot of it because of corona like a lot of the stuff that we think matters that we invest in ourselves when it comes to all this other stuff at the end of the day we're all looking for happiness whether it's through our play through our career through our friends through our own um, decision making but i've started to learn is that but a lot of that stuff comes from something that could never be taken away or stolen from you, and that's that's our faith in God. That's awesome, man. Are you gonna go into? You gonna go into? Uh, you gonna be a pastor? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. You might. You might have a call in there, bro. That was uh, that was impressive. I heard uh, um, a uh, sermon from Tony Evans, and and he talked about the way the way you said you don't store up your treasures here on earth, but these everlasting treasures. And he said, you know, people often get all these blessings, and then you're blinded by the blessings and you forget about the blesser and that's God. So that's, uh, it sounds like you got your head on straight, man. This has been so fun for me. You sound like a really grounded individual and um, I'm really proud of you. Um, you know, wish you the best this year, stay healthy and, um, and we'll catch you, uh, catch you soon. Appreciate it. Well, let me know if you want to do it again. I might try to see if DK wants to get on. Appreciate you, bro. Good luck, man. Yep. Yeah. Have a great one. Like, share, subscribe, uh, at Mark underscore Sanchez, at Fourth and Forever, Instagram, Twitter, all that. You know where to go. Thanks again for having us, and we'll see you soon.